This is the Life and Soul podcast with me, Emma Forbes. 2020 really was an eventful year, and amidst the madness, we've all had time to reflect on what we most appreciate in life. And although we're still surrounded by uncertainty, it's important to be reminded of what really matters. I'm going to be asking some fabulous guests what makes them tick, asking them what really gives them life and what really feeds their soul. So join me for some nuggets of wisdom, a moment to breathe, and above all, a good old chat over a virtual cup of tea. And I hope that by listening, you'll leave feeling a little brighter about the year ahead. Today, I'm joined by Dr. Alex George, who all the way during COVID-19, he's been working in A&E. He is an A&E and TV doctor, but he's also become a well-known and respected figure, particularly for bringing the nation accessible and reassuring advice directly from the front line. 2018 saw his life change with the fabulous Love Island, something I'm not ashamed to say I watch all the time, particularly during lockdown. Um, He's also on a mission now to make mental health education compulsory in schools. He's become prolific in the UK, campaigning with charities like Young Minds and a Freud Centre of Mind. He's also recently been appointed by the Prime Minister as Youth Mental Health Ambassador to the government. And more recently, his podcast, The Waiting Room, but now new book, Live Well Every Day, which is going to teach us all. I've been reading it already. The intention to put you back in the driving seat of your own health. Dr. Alex, welcome. <laughs> oh, thank you very much. What an introduction. Thank you very much. Well, you've very done a hell indeed. of a lot, let me tell you. You've been, you've been doing so much. I mean, it's unbelievable. But I think we should probably start with COVID and, and lockdown and the fact that you, I sort of love the fact you basically just said it was just like the hardest year ever. It has been. It's been a really odd year, I think, for, for everyone. And I kind of remember, oh, like, it feels like kind of yesterday that we first had these whispers of this virus from somewhere, you know, abroad yeah. and, you know, w- what is going on? What will it mean? Will it be something? Will it be nothing? And it went from that to, you know, something quite serious very, very quickly, didn't it? You know, it went to yeah. a real, uh, a really scary situation where we had so many patients coming in um, into the hospital and, you know, scenes that you just don't ever expect to see. You know, I speak to my consultants about it, some of which will be working for 20, 30 years so you don't you don't expect for this kind of thing to happen and to see the level of illness and and death as well. Let's be honest, you know, it's- which for laymen like me looked like something I watch on Grey's Anatomy. I mean, it was it was sort of yeah. terrifying, wasn't it? That it- you would have watched and thought that's a bit far fetched. You know, that we'd get this virus, that this would happen, and but it was reality. It, it was the speed at which it became a problem was unbelievable. If you think of the first case that happened, uh, and 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 we became aware of it, you know, abroad, if you like to how quickly it, it became a part of what we were seeing in real life. It was very strange to go, you know, will we see this virus in our, you know, in, in our own hospitals? Will it actually be something we have to deal with in our A&E to actually taking over the whole yeah. department and the country? It was just unbelievable. And do you think, I mean, because I know that one of you, I mean, we've got so many bits to talk about, but I know, you know, one of your things, and I, and I have to start off by saying, I'm so sorry about your brother. I know you lost your brother in July 2020, and I can think of no worse thing, particularly not to deal with during COVID, your poor parents, your poor family. And my heart kind of went out to you all. And I thought maybe that's been another trigger for you for, for making mental health such a, a passion for you, because it, it, that came as such a shock for you. And I think that is, that's the thing about mental health, isn't it? Is that you just, it can creep up on anyone. Has that sort of fueled your passion for mental health even more? I think so. I, I you know, I, I think of, in first instance, I guess everyone has mental health, and uh, and I, I think it's something that's universal to all of us. And 
you know, when I came off the show and we mentioned Love Island, I think one of the things I really wanted to focus on was well-being and mental health and what I could do using my platform to destigmatize that. And that's why for several years I've been working with the likes of Samaritans and, uh, and Young Minds and these organizations to try and do that. And yeah, you know, even though I'm doing this work and all the, you know, all the kind of shining the light that I was trying to do during the pandemic, you know, something creeps up and happens, you know, in your own family, you know, what a shock. Yeah. You know, my brother yeah. was didn't show any signs of, of struggling. It was very much a hidden illness as often mental health is. And yeah. all of a sudden, the first thing I know is that he'd taken his life. I mean, Clear was a, a, you know, an intelligent, capable young man with a career ahead of him. You know, he was going to medical yeah. school in a few months time and just like that it happened. And it, yeah, it's, it's one of those things in life. It just really brings the reality, you know, a stark reality, I think of, 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 of the problem that we face. I think the pandemic is, I think it's, you know, someone put it this way uh, when I was talking to him the other day, and I think it's right. It's a crisis on a crisis. I think we're already in crisis in terms of mental health yeah. in this country. And now this has put this into a further crisis. Um, yeah. So the work I'm trying to do is youth mental health ambassador really is number one is st- you're trying to destigmatize mental health so people reach out, but also to make sure that actually when they do reach out, the services are available to actually support them. Because, you know, I think for far too long, I think mental health has probably been underfunded um over many many generations uh, and i think we need to actually make sure particularly with what's happened with the pandemic that we are putting money into support services yeah. like cams the children's mental health teams uh, as well as adult mental health as well you know we need to support them properly and i think you're right i think a crisis in a crisis is is such a good way of describing it because i think also anybody that had any kind of inkling of mental health before anxiety anything like that the the, the pandemic just made it a hundred times worse. I mean, I've, I've known people that I thought in my life were unbelievably strong that you think would, that have crumbled in a pandemic, you know, that have really kind of struggled from everything from, you know, losing loved ones to being isolated to, you know, months on your own to kind of being separated from people. I mean, it's sort of unthinkable. And I think unless we've got as you say, funding for it, but but voices on it. Because I still I still feel like there's a stigma attached to talking about it. And I'm, you know. There is. Isn't there? I mean, there really is. Even things like postnatal depression. I mean, I had that when I, um, I'm 55 now. How old was I when I had postnatal depression? So I had my daughter when I was 31. And I really didn't talk about it. Mm. I didn't talk about it at yeah. all. Because it was, I think that's had, a shared thing that a lot of people feel that way. They don't. They, I think, regardless. I think we talk about men, and I think there is certainly the stats show there's certainly an issue there. But I think it's it's actually men, women, uh, yeah. culturally, uh, societally. I think everyone feels an element of being uncomfortable to talk about. I think it's beginning well, to change. I think yeah, the pandemic uncom- has really highlighted it. But yeah, it's uncomfy, mm. but it's also you know a level of sort of shame. You know, I'd kind of had a baby, and I was like, oh, I can't say that everything's not right or that I feel, you know, overwhelmed or exhausted. But I think also if I look back now and think, where would I have run actually? Or who would I have run? It's quite hard to think what I, Mm. I don't think there was much out there. Um, I mean, I remember there just being this book called What to Expect When You're Expecting. (laughs) This is huge sort of Bible of a book that I sort of used to look at the chapters and at the end of every chapter, it just said, if you're in any doubt, call your GP. And I thought, I don't know that that's, I mean, but there wasn't like Mm. a resource. I think now there's much more about it, but I still think there's, there's so much room for improvement. So your new role 
must be an exciting one, a challenging one, I guess, it to is. do that. I think, I think I look with optimism. I think, you know, we've got a long way to go. I think there's improvements being made, but you're making that from a very low ebb. I think we're yeah. improvements that we're making from a place of nothing. I think really, yeah. uh, and over the last decade, I think we have seen a lot of changes, but I think we've got a long way to go. You know, we need to have mental health yeah. integrated into schools so children learn about it and are comfortable. You know, because education is really where you can actually change behaviours and beliefs and norms. I think with regards to mental health, and if we can integrate that, instill that kind of understanding about what mental health is, you know, how to look after yourself, build that resilience in young people, and know where to go when they're struggling then we really will change that shift. And then, of course, you know, the other aspect which we, you know, you allude to there is the support. You know, we need to fund these resources and these systems of support for people so that when they do reach out, they actually don't have to wait six months to, to see no. a mental health professional, which in some cases people do. Some children have to wait many, many, many months to see anyone. And I don't think that's acceptable, actually. It's not acceptable because it's too long when you've got issues like that. It's just too long a period of time, of isn't it? And I know that is one of your passions to make it compulsory in education. And that would be, a not I agree with you, it would be a phenomenal thing. Do you think that has a chance of happening? Do you, do you think, can you see that that might be as an accepted thing to happen? We're seeing, you know, if you look at the Welsh curriculum, they have a new curriculum coming in now, which is the four purpose approach and they have these four uh, pillars or purposes that they highlight and each pillar uh, has that equal importance and one of those is around the well-being and creating well-rounded happy and healthy uh, adults from from school so actually already in Wales they are beginning to put it on a pillar to say yeah. actually it is important and what we need to do I think rep replicate in England and across the UK is that you know when we look at what the purpose of our education system is that actually we reconsider, I think, and rebalance things. You know, yes, academia is important, but isn't it also important to have children that have life skills, that understand what a mortgage is, how to understand how to look after yeah. themselves, understand about yeah. self-care, know where to go, you know, and how to get support. But, you know, that actually that you've got well-rounded individuals. And if you look at other countries, and the countries actually do best in terms of education, you talk about Scandinavia, et cetera, actually well-being is their number one thing. The academia kind of follows on from that. So yeah. it's, it's very interesting that other countries do it differently and actually put a higher priority on well-being. And actually the academia improves because it stands to reason to me that if you've got happy, healthy children, they're probably yeah. going to do better at school. I would imagine, you know, that, I think that stands to fair reason. I think also nothing matters really more than health. I mean, health just, no. health is wealth. I mean, you just, you, you know, without your health, it, had to be, it has to be the starting point for everything really. I think it's a big part of what we've come to terms with or come to realize is that health is key. And like, you know, I think so many people now moving out of the pandemic will value their own health and not burning the candle at both ends and, you know, uh, you know, abusing their bodies and abusing their minds so much because they've realized, well, actually we're all vulnerable. Everyone's vulnerable. We're not, nothing's guaranteed in life. Um, no. And I think you know, the pandemic was to, a big leveler because it, it basically, nobody was that special do you know what I mean in the beginning there was that whole thing of you know well I'm really fit and healthy and you know and I have green juice and I take supplements and you're like that virus doesn't care like you yeah, know it's like yeah, it, it, yeah. it anybody is vulnerable to that which I guess is what maybe led you on to your I mean the book is brilliant I got sent you know a pdf to read of it and it's brilliant the live well every day because it's you've done it in such a way that really does help people put it together because it doesn't come that easily to everybody to kind of think okay what changes can I 
can I make to do that? And I guess you must have seen that in your own job, because I always think, again, I obviously have Grey's Anatomy as one of my places to go to for the reality. <laughs> but absolutely, your lifestyle as an A&E doctor, you know, you talk about <laughs> an area of people that must have to really struggle to keep your health in check and and do that. So is that why the book, because to me, it was like, it was so well thought out and it was really brilliant the way you, you know, you deal with everything, the health challenges of today's world, the anxiety, the social pressure, the mental health, and did that. Did you see a lot of people when you were working in A&E, you think, God, we've got to kind of, how do I put this together? Well, it's a twofold. It was almost like I was reflecting on my own uh, health and how I was taking care or maybe not taking care of myself that well. And, you know, working silly shifts, ridiculous hours, probably not exercising enough, not eating well enough and how those things actually can impact on the way I felt. And when I compared that to when I was eating well, that I was taking care of myself, that I was practicing self-care, that I was investing in myself, that the, the difference at how I felt, how I behaved, how I performed qualities of my relationships and things it made a huge difference. And then, professionally seeing my patients it's amazing how many people you see who you realize that they haven't really been given that toolkit in life to understand yeah. about what they can do to look after themselves now, of course i'm not suggesting people are in a e because everyone's not been looking after themselves you know you never know what's going to happen each day and no. things happen completely out of your control but what we do know is that if you if you do take care of yourself you probably do reduce your likelihood of ending up in a and yeah. i think we need to empower people with the knowledge and the tools to make their own decisions. And that this book isn't about a blueprint of like, you know, uh, do this and you're going to be 100% illness-free or this will work for everyone. It's just, you know, a combination of my professional and personal experience of things that I found worked. And some people might go to a certain chapter and think, I got my sleep down. I'm great at sleeping. Yeah. But actually, when it comes to exercise, I struggle to find that motivation and, and how to plan and how to fit it in. I can't bear books that like, you know, basically give you just like a, a blueprint where you've got to follow from, you know, step yeah. one, step yeah. two. And by step three, I'm lost already. Yeah. So I I, I yeah, applaud yeah. you because it's done in much better chunks where you can just dip in and go, OK, I'm going to go in on eating well. And there's a chapter yeah. on that, you know, so it's I think that's a a clever way of doing it. And going back to um, going back in time to the great 2018 with the great Love Island, I mean, which which I'm sure in lockdown, their viewing figures or if they ever see how many people rewatched <laughs> series, it must have gone through the roof. I mean, it's 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 such an unexpected thing, isn't it? I mean, reality TV, I'm sort of fascinated by reality TV because when I started in TV, it didn't even exist. And again, I'm not 112, yeah. but it didn't it, it, it didn't exist. It is a modern day thing. And it's a sort of extraordinary thing. I often think if you were explaining it to somebody and you were like, you know, yeah, it's this, it's this program that I get that you go in and you're put in this place. It sort of it sounds bizarre. Odd, when you got concept. that phone call, what did you I mean, what did you think? It was very odd. It was very odd. I mean, I, I, I never really, I never applied the show, really planned to go on it, which makes it more odd. It was actually a message I'd received through Instagram saying that we'd love you to come on the show. I could never understand why, because I had about 160 followers. I mean, Instagram was nothing at all, particularly spectacular. <laughs> but anyway, you know, they they asked me, and it was actually one of my consultants in A&E, I'm very good friends with, who she was an avid viewer of the show, loved it and said, you've got to go on. It'll be amazing. And she still claims all the thing for it now. Um, and I actually say it's all your fault in a way. Um, but yeah, she she was like, look, do it. And, uh, and I can see why. I mean, um, you know, in life, sometimes I think we worry so much about things and, you know, should I do this? Should I do that? And of course, you've got to take measured decisions. And I think when you go on reality TV, you, you actually need to think carefully about 
what it will be like to be known and be famous. Yeah. And actually, I think I probably went into it quite naively. And one of the things I said after the show, I talked with ITV and something they've incorporated a lot now is actually preparing people more for what it will actually be like. Because yeah. I was very naive. I thought, oh, I'll go on there two weeks. It'll be two weeks summer holiday. I'll be off the show back in A&E with a bit of a tan and uh, <laughs> and I've, I'd have had a different experience. But it it... You, you can't really expect, you can never expect what happens, you know, and the coming off and being so known afterwards was very unusual. It's a very odd scenario yeah. to go on and be known that, and I think reality TV is, it's an odd concept in that sense. And I think, you know, moving forward, we need to make sure that people know what they're kind of putting themselves in Well, I was going to say, it, it get, yeah, that's really, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. That's the bit that always fascinates me because I'm like, you literally take somebody in a two week period from zero to a hundred. And yeah. you know what goes with fame is 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 quite a lot of sort of you know things, and you do need to be prepared for it. I mean, in the best sense of the word, and the but the upside and the downside. And you just think, gosh, if if somebody, you know, talking of mental health, if somebody was sort of, if there was any sort of trigger in there, let's yeah. not forget yeah. that with reality TV, you can come out and it can go one of a hundred ways. You know, you yeah, can exactly. be slaughtered and there's somebody that's never had that people that have been mm. in it in a different way expect it but reality tv takes people into a sphere where as we've seen some people can cope some people can't i see it this way that i think there's as many good things about it as bad and i think yin and yang and positive and negative energy is true in life i think there's nothing that comes as purely good uh, and there's a lot yeah. of downsides of the fame as well uh, and i think uh, you know, you're right. I think any element of vulnerability or susceptibility can be really made, you know, apparent or made worse. I think, you know, if you come out on, on a show, because your whole life is on, you know, in public view. You know, I went from a yeah. hundred and something followers to a million in nine weeks or whatever, you know, and that, that's a huge, it's a lot to deal with. It took me a long time to settle and I think find my feet. Again, I applaud you because I think, you know, you've used it as a platform for something that's brilliant. And then what's so great in what you do is that what you have, which you only get really by being in reality TV, you know, people relate to you because they've watched you in something that they, they know you're real, for want of a better word. They're like, oh, mm. I, I, I know him now because I've seen him through this yeah. and I've seen him through that. So I think it actually, if you use the platform well, like you have, it actually puts you in a much better a much better place and it can be the best launching pad ever i think in, in yeah, that I think if anyone coming off a show like that or anyone in that situation you have to think about what you're when i talk about this in the book uh you know your purposes uh, and finding yeah. your purpose and for me it was like well i love what i do with my job i enjoy it so let's carry on with that so let's use the platform to highlight things around that let's of course enjoy as well and have fun and there's great opportunities yeah. that come from it but let's use it for something good uh, and something that I'll feel fulfilled from and everything else will follow. And that's what I tried to do. And it you know, may well have gone wrong, but you know, I didn't, I, it wasn't for me going to clubs and being paid to you know, stand in clubs. I didn't do a single one. I'm probably, I'm pretty confident I'm the only Islander not to have done that. Just, just, just yeah. not for me, not something no. I wanted to do. And I just followed and stuck to my guns. And I yeah. think that's, you know, for anyone in that situation, you, that's what that's what you should do. You should think about what matters to you, what you enjoy, and, and yeah. keep going with that. Really, don't get and I think around purpose, doing things you don't want to do. No, and I think purpose is just so important. And I guess another thing from COVID, I know you know for myself, even personally, finding purpose in life has has become ever more important because I think we all kind of had that 
pause button and that reset of kind of going, okay, am I in the right place? Am I doing the right job? Is this fulfilling enough? You know, I've got time to do this. Perhaps I should have done that. And in in many ways, I think there's almost more anxiety now coming out of the pandemic in the beginning, I was like an addict to the news. Like I could mm, not switch agree. off that same, news. Same, I was like, same. you know, the graphs, the, the graphics, the kind of, you know, and every day I was like, how many cases? What does this mean? What does that mean? I then had to literally go cold turkey on that because it was too, it was too much. Yeah. And then you've got this sort of hiatus in the middle of this sort of weird, almost sort of sub-life of a lockdown and not lockdown, a bit of a lockdown, a full lockdown. Yeah. And now I feel like this almost anxiety rising again, because although we're coming out of it, if you're a layman like me and you're not medical, you kind of go, okay, we get the vaccine and then that's it. But it sort of isn't, it sort of isn't it now. Now I'm like, I can't become an addict to watching about the different mutant strains or it's too science fiction for me. It's too much like being in a movie that I used to watch and and think that's far-fetched. Yeah. I think it's, uh, you know, when you look at and particularly people feeling anxious and things, and I've, I share those anxieties as well. I think as we come out of this lockdown and we've got this kind of, you know, the UK obviously got the moment, these, these, these milestones, yeah. that's not milestones, the, the dates, I guess, that the things are yeah. lifting. I actually think it's very important that people don't feel that those are milestones that I need to hit, as in, oh, the pub's open, yeah. I need to go. Like, I think you should do things at your own pace, obviously not quicker than the pace that you're allowed to do, but yeah. do things as and when you feel comfortable in doing. And I think you're right, we are going to have to live with COVID. But one thing I would say, I mean, we have flu that kills people, you know, and takes causes deaths every year. Uh, and in bad years, we can have as many, 20, as many as 20,000 deaths from, yeah. from flu. Okay, and um, so what we are going to have to probably do is have vaccines. I'd imagine potentially having boosters each year. You know, that's one thing that's been talked about. We're probably going to have yeah. to have some form of of further vaccinations, uh, and we're going to learn to, to live with it. It doesn't mean that we can't go to what we call normal life, but I do think you know, in winter we probably have to be a bit more careful. We may have to be wearing masks and things. Um, but our hope is that as long as we keep on top of the vaccinations and we don't allow these strains to kind of build momentum, then hopefully we can you know, not go back into another lockdown. Are you hopeful? I was going to say, are you hopeful? Do you think this yeah. is... Yeah. I'm always, a, I'm, I think I'm ever quite, opt- I'm, I'm quite realist, but at the same time, I, I'm very hopeful. I, I do like to have a bit of optimism. And I think, you know, we've overcome unbelievable things as, uh, you know, human beings. Yeah. And I think, you know, the way, if you think that we developed a vaccine in, in months, I mean, it was, it's just incredible. Think of the yeah. science that goes behind that. And look in the UK, I mean, of all the things we probably not done very well the vaccine rollout's been nothing short of monumental it's been incredible really yeah. if you think that there's the significant number of the population that's been vaccinated i mean they're now calling you know f- uh you know the the 40 year olds and 45 year olds to, to be vaccinated yeah. and i just can't really believe it to be honest you know so no it's incredible crossed. and actually fingers even crossed. even here in america when i went for mine it was it was it was done it sounds so random to say it was done so beautifully and and it was sort of run by the army and there were these you know the 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 guy everything was sort of it was almost done in silence it was it was an extraordinary experience and actually when you then do it it takes like eight seconds and you're a bit like oh I was expecting kind of you know I don't know whatever and I said to this guy in the army I said god did you ever think that you'd be doing this I said this is like being in a movie and he said no it's like 
being in a movie. He said, you know, obviously in the army, you prepare for everything. He said, but you, oh. and you, you get spoken to about pandemics. He said, but, but you mm. never, he said, none of us thought we'd be doing this where we're doing a military operation, you know, to kind of get this done. So I've sort of applauded everybody. And again, in the, in, in England, I think, you know, the NHS is, mind-blowing and I think what any any doctor anybody in the medical services did during the pandemic I I have nothing but praise because I just think it was nothing short of incredible no I really do I mean I think it's just amazing how that all worked and I do hope that there's a sort of an optimism out of it I mean I was laughing yesterday there's some cinemas open here I don't think I could go to a cinema yet like that's my I was like oh I don't think and, and also because I I was remembering way back when I used to go to the cinema pre-pandemic, that if you're in the cinema and somebody coughed, you'd be kind of irritated. I was almost that person that'd be like, oh, you know, should they be shush or something like that? Now yeah, you, yeah, could, yeah. you could scatter a cinema. Somebody would only have to cough. Everybody yeah. would be out of there in a, in a heartbeat. On, yeah. I mean, yeah. you don't cough in public now. I was When I was in the airport coming out here, I had on my mask and I was eating a sweet. And I, you know, when you inhale a sweet, and I was actually yeah, choking yeah, coughing, yeah. and I laughed because I thought <laughs> I had to cough and I thought, God, I could actually just choke quietly here and nobody would help me because people were just very quietly just like spreading. And I was like, no, 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 I'm literally bit, choking. I think, um, but we'll get, we'll get there. And I think, I feel like what's happened in this pandemic is that we have all started realizing our health is pretty important and a big part of our health has been our mental health. So I'm yeah. hoping that we can use that realization as a wake up call to bring us you know, back up to, well, up to speed or somewhere near that in terms of how we all think about it, really, and what we do to look after not just our own, but each other's mental health as well. And, well, you know, I've, look at look, think- look at organisations and companies and corporates now who are starting to realise they have to take ownership of it. I think, I mean, when I say this, I also mean the NHS, you know. Yeah. Before this, we haven't really had as much or very much support, I wouldn't say, for staff in the NHS. But all of a sudden, now there's a lot more awareness. There's named mental health first aiders named mental health champions within the trust who are there this signpost pathways about how you can get support and these are brilliant steps forward all the yeah, workers in at the nhs they must need post-traumatic stress syndrome Absolutely. whatever you know they must yeah. need support as well seeing that yeah. amount of you know and burnout death and of course i mean they're saying 50 percent of all doctors they believe are burnt out it's going to be uh, for everyone regardless of industry it's going to be a big um a talking point and, and a big topic really for the next uh, kind of decade i'd imagine i think mental health will be you know the fallout from this will be very important well i have to say congratulations on your you know youth mental health ambassador because i think that's amazing and i think you are the right man for the job thank you love your successful podcast the, the waiting room it's brilliant and the new book that's going to be released live well every day it's honestly i think you know people will really enjoy having something because I think it's quite comforting having a book I love a book I love a physical book I don't love downloading an app yeah. I like having a book that's agreed by I my like bed. the book I like having yeah, the book. yeah love agreed. a book I absolutely love a book and to end on a light note I also saw that you've done the only reality show I ever did as well which was Celebrity MasterChef <laughs> Yeah, and it didn't go very well for me. Yeah, no, it didn't go. <laughs> it also didn't go very well for me, and that's why I thought I'd uh, bring that up. I talk about stress. Oh my god, that was like that's stressful. It's, it's stressful. So stressful. You shouted out, "Get that steak right quick!" This table list needs a steak. I said, oh my god, I worked in. Um, I was trying to remember that I worked in a restaurant called Quaglino's when I did that bit of mm. that show, mm. and the mm. stress of the chef who was furious, yelling at me, and I had to do this like unbelievable spatchcock 
chicken that was like flattened and and the spinach and also I was like drip, dripping in sweat it's like a thousand yeah, degrees so, in the so, kitchen yeah, so it didn't go how do they do it in the summer how do they do it in the high heat of summer I don't know how they do it it must be a million degrees know. in there They're all I remember was chef. that I had the you know the chef's trousers and I had on a pair of I don't know why black biker boots under my trousers and I had sweated so mm. much that when I took my boots off my legs the dye of this boots had come off onto oh my, my goodness legs. there you go now you're, I realize why they wear the clogs I know why they wear the clogs because, you know, but no, it didn't go that well for me either, Alex. I was just going to say, you know, we don't have to worry about the fact that we weren't (laughs) celebrity MasterChef. We're we're doing okay regardless, but. I enjoy a bit of cooking, but not like that. It's too much. No, (laughs) way too stressful. Just do it in your own kitchen. Alex, thank you so much for joining me today. I've I've loved our chat. I feel a a lot more positive that we're going in the right direction and and keep doing what you're doing because I think it's brilliant. We're going to get there. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to subscribe. And also, if you've enjoyed this episode, do leave a five-star review and you can find out more by going to buyemma.co.